Thank you for tuning into sermons from Liberty Baptist Church in Newport Beach, California. Our goal is to help you know God more and take the next step in your spiritual journey, no matter where you're at. If you have questions about God or about Liberty, you can connect with us at libertybaptistchurch.org. We pray that the Lord will use this message to be a help and encouragement in your life. Join your Bibles to Romans chapter number 12. Now, I promise not to preach as long as I normally would because I know we've taken a little bit more time to tell you about the thing. But I do want to actually, as I was praying about it this afternoon, I thought, you know what? I need to finish up a little bit of what we were talking about this morning. And so hopefully you were here this morning. If not, you can go back and, and listen to that because I certainly can't repeat it all. I, I didn't know that I would do a second part to it, but I do feel uh, that the Lord would just have us just one other truth I want to just share with you about this particular issue of our identity in Jesus Christ. Christ. And so we talked this morning about the fact often we get identified by our failure. We get identified by other people's sin against us. We get identified by just a weakness in our life instead of being identified by who we are in Christ. And we spent the whole morning on that. But I want to deal with something uh, that, that would be a follow-up to that, and that is how in the world do you inculcate that? In other words, how does that become practical? Boots on the ground, how do you live that way? Well, the Bible gives us a wonderful verse of Scripture that gives us a very practical part of this uh, transformational uh, dynamic in our life when we begin to live in the light of who Jesus says we are. So let's go to Romans chapter 12. It's such a familiar verse of Scripture. Sometimes we avoid these Scriptures only because we feel like, well, they're overused. I mean, people have preached these and preached these. Now, some of you, they may not be overused. Maybe you've not been saved long. Uh, but uh, So sometimes they're not. But for some that have been grown up in church, you've heard Romans 12, 1 and 2 so many times, you could probably quote it. And uh, I I will tell you, you know something when you dream it. And I know sometimes I preach those gospel messages so much that I have literally dreamed preaching gospel messages. And I'm telling you, I got the script down. You know, that's when you know something. And Romans 12, 1 and 2 is probably one of those verses that you know well. But in light of the message this morning, I want us to look at a very simple phrase in verse number 2. Notice what God says here. Of course, the very first thing He challenges us with is presenting our bodies a living sacrifice. Then into verse 2, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. And here it is. What does it say? By the renewing of your mind. Now, most of you may know, and maybe you don't, that the word transformed has a Greek word that we get an English word from. That happens a lot in the Greek. A lot of times there's a word used, and thinking, oh, that's good. I can, I can, I can help that word. When you take Greek quizzes when you're in seminary or when you're in Bible college, it helps when the Greek word like anthropos, you know what that is? That's man. Okay, that's easy to remember, anthropos. And so you get these words that kind of help you in Greek vocab quizzes, and this is one of those words. And it's a word we get the English word from metamorphosis. Metamorphosis. Interesting word, isn't it? Now, metamorphosis is a dynamic that most of us learned about probably in elementary school, if not that, probably junior high, in biology class or science class. And we all know there's this little caterpillar going around, and, and of course he climbs up on a tree or something, spins a cocoon, and I don't even know the time sequence on it. Maybe it depends on, on what kind of uh, a caterpillar it is. And all of a sudden, you know, one day out of that cocoon comes a caterpillar, right? No comes a butterfly. And many times they're very beautiful butterflies. And uh, we're amazed that something that's kind of, you know, not that pretty, not that we wouldn't call it beautiful, a caterpillar, and now has been transformed into a butterfly. 
Now, the thing I want you to understand uh, that will help us with this is that that caterpillar was always, its DNA was always a butterfly. So what did it need? It needed time and maturity. Now, we know in nature, God has put instinct into, into insects and animals, and they don't learn things, they just automatically do them. And to me, instinct is an amazing thing, and it's something largely we, we human beings don't have a lot of. We have some instinct, but not a lot. But animal, the animal kingdom has a lot of instinct. That's how they survive. And we can learn certain things about certain species because we see what they instinctively do. There's certain things you stay away from because you know their instincts. Like big cats, you know what I'm talking about, a mountain lion. If you ran across a mountain lion, there's certain fear you'd have in your heart. Why? Because you've studied enough to know its instincts are not good, <laughs> at least if you're a human being. So we know a little bit about those, these things, and, and uh, so God puts in a caterpillar, it has an instinct, it just does it automatically. It knows when to go in the tree, it knows when to spin the cocoon, it knows when to come out of the cocoon, and, and we understand all of that just is automatic, we could say. Nature has designed it that way. But the thing I want us to understand is when that caterpillar was walking around planet Earth, it really was deep down inside a butterfly. That was its genetics. And really the truth is, for all of us here, as I mentioned this morning, when you got saved, you got regenerated. As I said this morning, you got regened. You got a whole new set of genes. Now the difference between nature and human beings is this. In nature, God has instinct, it's automatic, it just happens. But God is telling us with human beings, that's not the way it is. That metamorphosis or that transformation takes place by means of what? And the answer is right here in the Word of God. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed, let's say it again, by the renewing of your mind. Now the truth is every single one of us in this room has new genes if you're saved. You are, could we say this, a butterfly inside. <laughs> Now, in nature, that obviously automatically marches on, but in the spiritual realm, God says, here's what makes it happen. You've got to renew your mind. So some Christians literally go through their Christian life not realizing who they are in Jesus Christ. They live defeated, they live discouraged, and they do not live a lot of their Christian life in victory. Maybe they stumble on it from time to time and hear a message and, and there's a little spurt of growth in their life. But perhaps some Christians live a lot of their Christian life far more defeated than God ever intended. Why? Because God says there's something that needs to happen that helps transformation occur, and that is the renewal of your mind. So it's like this, friends. It's not just enough to know the truth. It's got to be applied in a way that absolutely renews your brain so that the transformation takes place. Now, I want to do something here. I'm not a good poem reader. There's some people who can write poetry, and there's some people who can't. Uh, I'm not one of those guys who can, I cannot write poetry. If I wrote it, you'd laugh because it'd be so forced. But uh, I have a daughter who does a real good job writing poetry. Now, I'm going to read it here, and I'm probably not even going to be good, that good at reading it. But um, uh, she read a book, and um, it was The Cure, a book that's out there, and uh, it talked about this dynamic. I read the book as well. I was stirred by it. But um, she wrote a poem entitled, I'm a Butterfly Inside. So I'd like to read that for you. 
Hello there. Okay, by the way, this is from the perspective of the caterpillar, okay, or the butterfly, however you want to put it. And uh, uh, something I might want to say about a caterpillar, a caterpillar eats twice as weight every day. Okay, so give you a little idea as you read the poem. Hello there. How are you today? Look down. Keep going, if you may. Yes, I'm a caterpillar on the outside, but actually, I'm a butterfly inside. I know I'm stubby and kind of bunched and often get ignored or crunched, but really, truly, I confide, I'm a butterfly inside. Although you labor me in the worm fam, my creator told me who I am. And so I say with humble pride, I'm a butterfly inside. Now you might notice what I eat more than my weight. Now that's a feat. I feast upon the bread he supplied to feed my butterfly inside. Don't judge the process. Yes, it's slow. Just give me time to mature and grow. Right now I crawl, but one day I'll glide because I'm a butterfly inside. My creator told me I can trust when darkness comes, I know it must, that even when I feel I've died, I'm still a butterfly inside. Sometimes his words do not sink in. Just look at my wrinkled skin. But DNA, the truth replied, you're still a butterfly inside. You need not care what may appear, for I've not given you that spirit of fear. Power, wisdom, love I provide, all found in the butterfly inside. I could inch about my day like a worm, the normal way, but what, free, what freedom when I abide and truly believe I'm a butterfly inside. Now, friends, I got a question for you. Do you believe that you're a butterfly inside? Now, the renewing of your mind, you say, how does that occur? What does the renewing of your mind look like? Well, I just want to give a few thoughts and we'll be done. The first thing I want us to understand is we all know you renew your mind with Bible truth. So that's why this morning, I, I know this may sound strange, this morning I preached a message and the authority of the message was the Word of God. <laughs> so why? Because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. So we all know that the Word of God is what renews our mind. Because if we're not careful, like I said, we think unbiblically. Have you ever thought about the fact, you know what preaching is? Preaching is confronting wrong thinking. You know why we come to church? One of the reasons, or many reasons, but one of the big reasons why we come to church is because we often get affected with wrong thinking and we need Bible adjustments. We need to start thinking biblically again. Have you ever been sitting in a message and thinking, oh, yeah, that's me. Yeah, I need that. And you walk out of the church thinking differently when you, than when you came in. It's like this. Every single one of us, every single problem that we have in our life, every single sinful habit that we have in our life comes from unbiblical thinking. It all does. Wrong thinking produces wrong actions. And we all know that biblical thinking produces biblical actions. So we understand if we're ever going to renew our mind, it has to be based on the Word of God. Now that's a given. That was inferred this morning. You probably picked that up. But let me challenge you with a second thought. And uh, this hopefully will be a help as well. The second thing is this. Not only do you need, are you transformed, you renew your mind by the Word of God. You renew your mind. Hang on. Don't miss this. Number two, you renew your mind by the Word of God. You say, Preacher, you just said that. <laughs> okay, think about this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Fourteen verses later, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Say, Preacher, who are you talking about? Okay, I'm talking about, can I say this? There is the objective word, but I'm going to, maybe this isn't the way to put it. There's the subjective word. <laughs> say, what are you talking about? I am talking about a person, and his name is the Lord Jesus. One of the ways you renew your mind is obviously the Word of God's a part of what I'm about to explain to you, and I'm not minimizing it in any way. But I will say this one of the key things is you've got to meet with Jesus every day. 
When you begin to meet with the Lord Jesus, you know what begins to happen? You begin to think more biblically. When you enter into His presence, friends, there is something that happens when Jesus manifests His presence to you. Now, I don't know how to explain this because I want to be very careful because the world in which we live. But you know, friends, the Bible tells us that God is everywhere. Did you know that? I love that song, I sing the mighty power of God, it's just so majestic. And the very end of that song it says this, everywhere that man can be, thou God art present there. Yeah, every, God's everywhere. Now, but although God is there theologically, all of us know theologically God's here. But some people know it more than theologically. They know it spiritually. You know what we call that? The manifestation of the presence of God. It's one thing, friends, to know God is here academically. It's another thing to know He's here because you spiritually are in His presence and know it. I think it's what the songwriter was saying, thinking about when he said, and he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me I am his own, and the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. I want to ask you a question. Did you meet with Jesus this morning? I, I used to, oh yeah, well, preacher, I, I read the Bible 15 minutes, and I prayed for 15 minutes. Oh, that's wonderful. You did. I thank the Lord. I mean, that's a part of it. Don't get me wrong. But you can pray 15 minutes. You can read your Bible 15 minutes and not meet with Jesus. You know what you can do? Check the boxes. Now, I, I'm for goals, and I'm for saying, okay, God, I, I, I'm committing myself as I know I need you. I get all that, but box checking is not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is this. When I was a freshman in college, I don't know where I got it. I don't know who handed it to me, but somebody gave me the little book, The Pursuit of God, by a guy by the name of A.W. Tozer. Now, if you've ever read Tozer, I'm telling you, you know something about uh, Tozer is that his stuff is kind of up there a little bit. And I remember reading it as a freshman in college, and here's what I said at the end of that book. Wow. I don't think I understood 90% of what this guy's talking about. But whatever he's talking about, I think that's what I need. And I began very imperfectly as a freshman in college, my pursuit of God. And I would say it has been the greatest pursuit of my life. Because it's not a pursuit that ends at any time until we get to heaven, because we'll then be in His presence. But you know what the pursuit of God is? It is pursuing the reality of His presence in your life. Now, I'm going to tell you our American culture really does us a bad deal on this. Because American culture does not emphasize the Spirit. God is the Spirit, help me out now, and they that worship Him must worship Him in? Oh yeah, Spirit and Truth. Truth, there's the objective side, Spirit, there's, if I want to use the word subjective, okay, it's the relational part of it all. But our world does not even acknowledge the existence of the spiritual, particularly the God, the capital Spirit. No, they don't even, you know, what does our world emphasize? The sensory. I'm not saying sensual, I'm talking sensory. There's nothing wrong with the five senses. God created you with them, but that's where our world dominates, don't they? I think about in my short lifetime how the world of the sensory has been just gone haywire. You know, this is going to shock some of you millennials and Gen Zers, but when I was growing up, potato chips, just take potato chips. You know how many flavors of potato chips we had? One. You know what the flavor was? Potato. That was the flavor. Potato. Yeah. 
And then somewhere along the line, they came up with sour cream and onion. We thought, man, we died and go to heaven. Wow, it's got a flavor, sour cream and onion. You don't have to stick in the dip anymore. Wow. How many are old enough to remember that? Yeah, okay. Then somewhere in there, barbecue came. Maybe that came first. I don't know. We thought we now we have two flavors plus potato, you know. Remember that? Have you ever been down the potato chip aisle recently? <laughs> this is kind of crazy, isn't it? You ever had, how do I was it, cheeseburger ruffles? <laughs> I had some cheeseburger ruffles. You say, Preacher, what did it taste like? Well, this is going to shock you. It tasted like a cheeseburger. That's what it did. didn't feel like it, but it tasted like one. You could taste the burger. You could taste the cheese, the mustard, the mayonnaise, the pickle. I'm thinking, this is crazy. What a world we live in. And uh, I could go on. And, uh, candy. You know, back when I was a kid, we had candy. It wasn't that good. We had stuff like wax lips. How many remember wax lips? Yeah, wax lips, yeah. You're supposed to be chewing gum. When you're done with them, you're supposed to chew it. But you know what wax lips tasted like? Wax. That's what they tasted like. <laughs> they were totally worthless. Notice they're not around anymore. <laughs> they're gone. <laughs> they're just absolutely out of there. Okay, all I'm trying to say is we live in a world where it has gone wacko with the sensory. I'm not saying it's wrong. You've been to an amusement park recently? <laughs> you know, I, I'm telling you, they say they've reached a point on, on some of these amusement park rides. They say if they go any further, people are going to black out. That's probably coming next, right? <laughs> ride this ride and black out, yeah. Uh, but, you know, I'm telling you, some of these roller coasters, I, there's no way I'm riding them. I've reached the point in life where I like blood everywhere, not just on one side of my body. You know what I'm talking about? Wow. Yeah, it's just that our world, I'm not saying it's all wrong. It caters to the sensory. And if we're not careful as Christians, we live our lives literally for the sensory. But I'm telling you, if you meet with God, you will not find him in the sensory. You find him in a different realm. He's in the spiritual you say, preacher, what are you talking about? Well, it's hard to explain it unless you've met with God. And you can, God can show up in the most unusual places. I've had God show up in principal's office uh, when a kid's sitting, tears streaming down his face, confessing cheating, and God walks through the door. Isn't that an odd place for God to show up? Not really. The Lord is nigh unto them that have a broken heart and saveth such of being a contrite spirit. And I've seen every broken teenager I have ever seen, I have watched God march through the door. Yeah, isn't that an amazing thing? God gives grace to the humble. Yeah, I'm telling you, I've been in prayer meetings with our team. Titus could testify of this. Some of the other team just, God, I'm sick of it. And they just get honest about their own spiritual need. And God walks right through the door. And brother, we have a prayer meeting. You see, friends, that's the reality. When God shows up, that's something, my friend, that's real. The sensory is not going to last very long. God says the, that which is seen is temporal, but that which is unseen is eternal. Renewing your mind obviously takes the Word of God and the Word of God. It takes the inscribed or the written Word, and it takes the incarnate Word. And as you begin to put those things together, and I will tell you the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, I'm telling you, when the Holy Spirit is wielding the sword, you got something going. <laughs> he wields that scalpel. Sometimes that sword takes out the cancer of sin. Sometimes that sword does spiritual surgery. But it's always a good thing. And what God is trying to help us here, the renewing of our mind, in order boots on the ground to live out who we are in Christ, we have got to spend time in the presence of God. We got to get behind the veil. Well, you say, preacher, how do you get behind the veil? How do you get there? Well, the truth is, 
It's kind of like the truth I spend this morning. We're already there. We just don't realize it. So I would give just a couple of thoughts. Number one, just something. I found this about pursuit of God. It takes time. You know, we live in a, such a time-conscious society. We're just boom, boom, boom. And it's not saying it's all wrong. But you know, my friends, sometimes you know what happens? God gets the leftovers. What if we say, I got to meet with God. It's the most important thing. And I'm not talking about getting legalistic. I'm just saying making God a priority. God, I've got to have you. God, I've got to meet with you. God, it's like this. I, I, you say, well, preacher, man, I don't have any time. I, I would ask you this. How long is your commute? Well, 45 minutes, that's a long time to meet with God. Turn your commute into spending time with God. You won't be depressed when you get to work for listening to all the news. Now, I, I'm not saying if you don't want to do that, I'm not telling you to do it. I'm just giving you ideas. But you know what I've learned this? There's probably, for most of you in this room, there's not 30 minutes or 45 minutes or an hour sitting around with thinking, oh, what am I going to do with that hour? So you know what we have to do? Take less important things and push them away. Why? Because we want God. We want to spend time with God. There is something about this I have found that when you spend time with God, you never doubt His love. Because when God manifests His presence, He always lets you know who He is. And the Bible says God is love. So when you're in the presence of God, you always walk out of the presence of God realizing God loves me. And you know what always happens when you live in the reality of God's love? You love Him back. We love Him because that is not an academic response. So many people out here, you might say, oh, you, we know God loves us academically. I mean, if we just stopped the service right now and said, hey, just stand up and quote a verse or even paraphrase a verse about the love of God, we could probably do that for 15 minutes, couldn't we? We know it up here. But that is no substitute for spending time in the presence of God. Because when you meet with God, you know you're loved. Every time God shows up in your life, He puts His arms around you and He gives you a big hug. <laughs> I want to tell you something, friends, that renews your mind. You start to think biblically about yourself and God. Listen, every problem we have is because we're not thinking biblically. I, I went through a, a camper training this summer with a, another man, and, and he, he made a statement several times, and I thought, that is so good. He said, we do what we do, and we say what we say because we want what we want. And we want what we want because we believe what we believe about God, ourselves, and the Bible. And I thought about that. Everything that comes out of our lives, good or bad, comes because of our concept of God, ourselves, and the Word of God. You know, you can have the right concept of God and have the wrong concept of yourself. You've got to have them both. You've got to see who you are in Jesus Christ. And then understand God as well. Understand what the Word of God is. And out of those things come proper desires which bear good fruit. And I thought that is such a wonderful thing. But part of that, friends, is, is understanding who our God is is not purely academic. One of the reasons you come to church is because you want to be around other people who are walking in the presence of God. And I don't know about you, I love it when people are walking with God. There's something about His presence. That stirs us when people, you ever been around people who just seem to always carry the presence of God with them? <laughs> years ago, my wife and I were just kids, just barely, you know, we'd been married a few years. And 
we, we found out where John R. Rice used to live, and so he was a great evangelist of yesteryear, and, and his widow lived there, and, and he had been gone a few years, and we said, let's go knock on her door, and we were in Murfreesboro, and so let's go knock on her door, and we knocked on her door, and we asked if we could spend a few minutes with her, with her. and all I can tell you, my wife would testify is this, when we sat down with Mrs. John R. Rice, we thought we were in the presence of God. Not that she was God, but she was reflecting God. She was a channel of his presence. And that hour was a sacred hour as she challenged us and shared with us. And she was not too far away from heaven herself. All I'm saying, friends, is this. There's no substitute for the reality of God in your life. When's the last time you met with God? So it'll help you renew your mind. And when God, you experience the love of God, the, the, the book of 1 John, I, I can't preach this message right now, but the first book of 1 John tells us that when you get a hold of the love of God, things start to happen. I almost call them automatic because I think they are automatic. Do you know when you begin to spend time with God and you know you're loved, number one, as I already alluded to, you will love God. You will not have a hard time loving God. It'll be automatic. Number two, you'll not have a hard time other, loving others. You look at there in 1 John chapter 4. Number three, you will keep his commandments. Number four, his commandments won't be a burden. It's like you want to do what God wants you to do. And number five, you will not live with fear. Perfect love casts out fear. Those five things are automatic. If you spend time with God and experience the love of God, those five things automatically happen. Those are pretty good things, aren't they? You struggling loving somebody? You struggle loving God? <laughs> Struggle keeping his commandments? Or maybe you keep his commandments and it's like, oh, what a bummer. You live with fear? All those are remedied simply by this, spending time with God. And living in the reality of his love? I remember I, our home church has a small Bible college, about 100 students, and we have dormitories as well, so we have kids from across the country. And I remember I walked into the, dorm, uh, into the lunchroom one day, and a, a little so a sophomore girl was there, and a freshman girl was there, and I sat down at a table, and they said, oh, Dr. Jim, that's what they call me there, Dr. Jim, oh, we're so glad you sat down here. we got to tell you what happened last night. I sure, I'd love to hear what happened last night. So we got our food, we got our drink, and started, we had prayer, and they said, last night we were burdened for brothers and sisters who are not right with God. And so here's what we did. We started our devotions at 10.30. That's our room devotional time. And we started devotions at 10.30, and we spent three hours in prayer. And they basically said, it seemed like only minutes. And one little girl looked at me with awe and wonder in her eyes, and here's what she said to me. Dr. Jim, in the middle of that prayer meeting, I was convinced that if I opened my eyes, I would have seen him. Now, don't get me wrong, she wouldn't have seen him because what she was experiencing was not sensory. It was spiritual. But the presence of God was so real. And there are some prayers answered in that prayer meeting that have effect to this day. It's remarkable. Some of those brothers and sisters who got right with God, lives totally been changed because of a three-hour prayer meeting with four girls in a dormitory room who met with God for three hours. You see, the presence of God is a wonderful thing. But I want you to understand, number one, you've got to want it. There's got to be a pursuit. Number, well, actually, number one is time. And they, this, these two go together. And number two, it is a pursuit. You've got to want it. Blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Asking ye shall receive. Seek and ye shall 
Fine. Now understand the pursuit is not meritorious. You are not earning the answer. In fact, that's why I love the thirst metaphor. I will pour water on him who is thirsty. When the poor and needy seek water and there is none, their tongue faileth for thirst. I, the Lord, will hear them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. God is basically giving us a truth that when we get thirsty for God, God promises, I will meet your need. You know what I love about thirst? It's not meritorious. Thirst doesn't earn you anything. Try it. Go down to McDonald's. You know how it is down at McDonald's? And they used to have a dollar. How many remember a dollar drink? You remember that dollar drink? That wasn't that long ago. Dollar drink down at McDonald's. I don't know if you ever had dollar. Do you have dollar drinks down here in California? I don't know. I don't know. But Midwest, man, we had dollar drink at McDonald's. And so you go there and you could always tell the taxes of the state. Uh, most of the time it'd be a buck five, a buck six or something like that, depending on the taxes. You, you would always know them because a dollar, you, you could figure it out. What was it here? Is it dollar fifty, dollar seventy-five? I don't know. Okay. But anyway, California. Okay, but anyway, so um, uh, so you go down to McDonald's and you order your drink, and I don't know, let's just say a buck twenty-five. That's a buck. You say, what do you mean a buck twenty-five? Can't you see I'm thirsty? You know, friends, they're going to pitch you out of McDonald's. Why? Because thirst doesn't earn you anything. But I have said this. Found this in my own life. The thirstier you are, the more willing you are to sacrifice to get your thirst met. You know how I know that? You ever been in an airport? Your flight gets delayed. You go in and you lay over and you look at the bottle of water. Five bucks for 20 ounce? No way, I'm not paying that. Three hours later, you're paying it. <laughs> Why? Because your need becomes greater. And your willingness to sacrifice becomes greater. And friends, all I want us to see is when it comes to God, number one, it takes time. Number two, it's a thirst. It's a pursuit. God, you're most important. I've got to have you. And last and certainly not least, there's a third truth I want you to see, and I'm done. Expectation. What does he say? Seek and ye shall. And you shall search for me and uh, you, you shall seek for me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Jeremiah 29, 13. Here's what God is saying. If you seek you will find. So don't miss this. If you begin to seek, you know what you need to do? Expect Him to meet with you. See, here's what a lot of people do. They, oh, I'm seeking God. I'm seeking God. Oh, he's not showing up. I don't think He's going to show up. He'll never, I mean, He doesn't hear my, no, that's not going to work. You know what that's called? Unbelief. What would you do if you were out soul winning and somebody prayed the sinner's prayer? If you died right now, where'd you go? Well, I'd go to hell. Didn't you just pray the sinner's prayer? Yeah, I did, but I don't think He heard me. Would that be a a really encouraging salvation decision? <laughs> Don't think so. You know what you're looking for? Expectation. You know what that illustrates? Faith. Sometimes faith gets so ethereal, I try to find different words to help us understand it. Expectation. That's it. When you seek God and you expect God to show up, I'm telling you, friend, He will. He will. God is no respecter of persons, and it doesn't matter the sinful past you've had. It does not matter the defeat. Obviously, we need to get to the blood and, and know the cleansing power. Our conscience cleansed, even as believers. First John 1, 9, I get all that. But the point is, any of us can be washed in the blood, I mean, get our consciences cleansed, and we can come before God, and hallelujah, He's no respecter of persons. He wants to meet with you. He wants to fellowship with you. He wants to manifest His presence to you. He wants to be a reality to you. So the renewing of our mind, friends, that transformational process 
occurs. We're a butterfly inside, but we're not, it's not like nature. God didn't create human beings with instinct, with automatic things that automatically happen. There are some that happens, maturity, obviously, things. But spiritually speaking, God says there's a step of faith you need to take, and here it is, renew your mind. Get out the unbiblical thing, get in the, the biblical thinking. And you do that by spending time in the Word of God and spending time with the Word, the incarnate living Word who lives inside of us, Jesus Christ. And those two things, my friend, begin to help us renew our minds. Thank you for listening to Messages from Liberty. Tune in next week for more Bible teaching or subscribe on iTunes to stay up to date with our current series.